I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you. Hi everyone, I'm Jason Ballara and this is the Know Your Why podcast. Today I'm here with Jay Scott, which uh, I do feel a little bit like you don't require any introduction, Jay, but thank you for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me, Jason. Thrilled to be here. Absolutely. So Jay is an entrepreneur, an investor, an advisor, an author, and a partner of Bar Down Investments. Uh, he's focused on buying and repositioning large multifamily properties. Over the past 12 years, Jay has built, uh, rehabbed, bought and sold and lent on over $70 million of property all over the country. Uh, he holds several uh, advisory roles at several companies and is the author of four Bigger Pockets books on real estate investing, um, including uh, the one that maybe most people are most familiar about, the book on flipping houses. So again, thank you, Jay. And if you if you would, maybe just give us a little bit of your background, uh, you know, sort of where you came from and, and, and how you got to this point in your career. Yeah, I'll, I'll do it quickly because I don't like to bore people. Um, I probably do, but I don't like to. Um, so I started out, I'm a business and tech guy. I'm an electrical engineer and MBA by education, worked in the tech world for a long time. Back in 2008, my wife and I decided that uh, we wanted to do something a little bit different. We were both working ridiculous hours. Uh, we were getting ready to start a family. And so we decided to, to figure out something that would allow us to kind of focus on um, our life and not so much on our work. So Long story short, we fell into real estate and that was 2008. Uh, we flipped a house back in the summer of 2008 and then we flipped another one and another one. And it really didn't start out as something that was gonna be our new profession or career. Um, but before we knew it, that's what we were doing. We were flipping houses full time. And uh, over the next, I guess, eight years, we flipped uh, several hundred houses. And, um, and that brought us to about 2016 or 17. Um, at which point I was a little burned out from doing the single family flipping thing. I think most people that get into that business eventually find that they get burned out. It's very difficult to scale that business. So 2017, I'm trying to figure out what to do next. And I'm thinking about real estate outside of real estate. And ultimately I decide I really want to do multifamily for a variety of reasons. So I reach out to a good friend of mine. Her name's Ashley Wilson, who had been in multifamily for a long time. She had been very successful. Um, somebody that I respected tremendously. And I basically, I asked her if she would be willing to mentor me. I told her I'd, I'd be willing to essentially um, work for her for free for a year. And, and if she would in return, just kind of teach me the business. And it was a good decision on my part. She agreed. And here we are three years later, and we've done several deals together, large multifamily deals together. Um, and we're now 50-50 partners in the business at Bar Down Investments. So um, I'm tremendously fortunate that I was able to find somebody that's so smart, so successful, um, that was willing to, to teach me and then bring me on as, as a partner with her. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, uh, that is a great way to go. I mean, I think a couple of things I'd like to touch on there that very interesting that you, you started in 2008 with flipping houses, which is, as probably everybody knows, wasn't the best, wasn't the best time uh, in terms of real estate with the crash there. But, but so 
did you start kind of on the back end when uh, after things had crashed or, or how did that sort of work out for you? Yeah, it, two, two things kind of came together there. One, uh, we were very lucky with timing. So we missed the big downturn, which was the beginning of 2008. Uh, we started in the summer of 2008. There was still further for the, the market to go down, especially where we were. We were in Atlanta, Georgia, and Atlanta got hit uh, harder than most places in the country. Uh, so it kept going down for another year and a half after we started, but we missed the big drop at the beginning. So that was, that was good. Um, and then the second piece was just um, my, my ignorance. Um, luckily, I didn't know what I didn't know. And so had I been a little bit smarter, or not smarter, but had I been more knowledgeable about real estate, um, I probably never would have jumped in at that time. Uh, I'm glad I did. And in retrospect, it was absolutely the right decision to make. Um, but a, a little knowledge would have created a lot of fear. And I probably would have sat on the sidelines and, and I would have been like a lot of people uh, who didn't get into real estate when they, when they had the opportunity and put it off for way too long. But luckily I was ignorant and I didn't know any better. So I jumped right in with both feet and, and uh, I was doing 20 or 30 flips a year within a, a year or two. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I, in, in, uh, in the aftermath of something like that, I'm sure, you know, that as a lot of people know, about to experience made that you know sort of ability to grow and scale and and uh, grow your wealth through real estate really nice because you know coming from the bottom of the crash but yeah it's it's it is definitely an interesting time and I I think yeah sometimes the knowledge <laughs> sometimes too much knowledge might actually hold you back in terms of of fear like you mentioned I think that's a a, a really good point in that there's probably a little bit of healthy fear and then there's that you know kind of well, now I'm just not doing anything, which which certainly isn't the right way to go. So that's that's very interesting. And yeah, so- Yeah, I, I think, oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. I, I was just gonna say, I think there's a lot of people, if for anybody in this business that hasn't been through a full economic cycle, um, there's this idea that there are good times to invest and bad times to invest. And I'm not gonna say there aren't bad times to invest. If you're doing anything transactional, like flipping houses, uh, a bad time to invest is just before a downturn, obviously. Um, but for the most part, there's never a perfect time to invest. There's never going to be a time where uh, everything comes together, the perfect storm of, of perfection, um, where it's easy to buy a property, it's easy to sell a property, it's easy to renovate the property in between. Um, what I learned in 2008 was, looking back, um, it seemed like a really bad time to be investing because it was, uh, and, and I say this, and if you weren't investing back in 2008, you, it's hard to understand, but it was nearly impossible to sell a property. Um, you'd put something on the market and literally there might be two buyers for 100 or 200 houses in that market. If you don't have the best property at the best price and the best location, um, you're not going to sell that property. And so we struggled and 50% of our deals in the first year would fall out of contract um, because buyers who thought they were qualified actually weren't qualified. Lending was really tight. It was hard to get a loan. Um, and so from our perspective, it was like, this is a really impossible market. Buying is easy. We could throw a dart at the MLS and whatever it hit was probably a deal that, that we could make money on. But on the back end, the selling was really, really tough. I mean, things would sit for two, three, six months and so from our perspective, it was a horrible time to be flipping houses in retrospect. Um, here we are 15 years later and selling is easy. I can sell something in, in two hours. I can pre-sell something before we list it, but buying is really, really tough. And so what I've realized through 
the 15 years that we've been doing this is that there's never going to be a time when it's both easy to buy and easy to sell and easy to find contractors in the middle to renovate. There's always going to be some part of the business, whether it's a buyer's or seller's market, that's really difficult. And so good real estate investors are good at a few things. One, they're good at looking at the economy. They're good at looking at their, their local circumstances and market and saying, hey, this is what the market's offering me. I may have to pivot my business to do a different exit strategy or a different entry strategy or focus on a different type of property in order to make money. And number two, not just focusing on, on different types of properties and strategies, but you have to be good at all parts of, of the real estate cycle. You can't just be really good at acquisition and not good at marketing and sales. You can't just be really good at marketing and sales and not good at the renovation. You can't just be really good at the renovation, but not good at finding good tenants. If you want to be successful in this business, because the market's always changing, because you never know what strategy you're going to have to pursue to make money, you need to be good at every single part of that real estate cycle, of that transaction cycle, um, so that no matter what the market's throwing at you, no matter what the challenges are that day, you can overcome them because you're really good at each piece in the process. Yeah, absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. I was actually going to sort of ask you along those lines, if you were having trouble getting things sold, did you end up you know, sort of holding and renting any of it? Or did you, uh, you know, I guess maybe if you just started, then you didn't know that it was a long time to wait to sell the houses. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, again, it was the, the ignorance is bliss. We, we didn't know what we didn't know. Uh, our very first property, we put it on the market and it didn't sell in about three weeks and it terrified us. Like we didn't, we're like, okay, is this thing never going to sell? So we ended up doing a lease option for, for two and a half years. Um, buyers never performed, ended up leaving in the middle of the night, trashed the house. We had to do a second renovation, but that was three years later. At that point, we were pretty good at this business and, and we were able to get it sold quickly. Um, but even on that first deal, and I, I like to say, we ended up buying two deals at the same time when we first started. Had we only bought that first deal that we thought we couldn't sell and we lease optioned, and we probably never would have done the second one. Um, but again, timing was good for us. And we were fortunate in that we were um, stupid enough not to know buy one at a time. So we bought two. The second one actually went much more smoothly. Um, so we said, okay, maybe we can do this. So yeah, we definitely had properties along the way that we would hold as rentals because we just didn't think we could sell them. Um, actually, my biggest regret over the last 15 years is that we had a whole lot of rentals, but we ended up selling them because the market started to turn in 2010, 11, 12, and we saw an opportunity to get out. I wish we would have held them all for the last 10 years. Yeah. Yes. So does everybody think that it yeah. <laughs> sold of something course. back then? I mean, you, yeah. you know, you, you talk, talk to about market cycles and everything it's the the market cycle has gone on i think a lot longer than anybody really kind of anticipated so it, it just goes through you can't can't predict but i mean it i i love that you know you sort of didn't really have a background in this dove right in and then pretty quickly got to the point of being you know sort of basically considered the one of the experts if not the expert on on flipping houses you wrote, wrote books about it and everything and so I mean, I'm curious how that, how did that, what did that look like to you? Uh, I really, we talk a lot about mindset and things like that on this podcast. And I think that takes a lot of, uh, you know, sort of self-belief and everything like that, 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 you know, a lot of people struggle with limiting beliefs and it, it almost seems like you just kind of <laughs> went right through those, ignored that stuff and, and, and just dove in and, and became, you know, excellent at it. 
Yeah, so um, I think part of it for me was, and you mentioned the part that I, I came in and I was far from an expert. I was probably the farthest from an expert. I mean, literally, uh, my wife and I had just purchased our first house ever a couple of months earlier, our personal residence. So I knew nothing about buying houses. I certainly knew nothing about selling houses. Uh, I could barely swing a hammer. I didn't know like which side of the nail goes into the wood. Um, and the funny thing is, here we are 15 years later, and I still, I mean, you wouldn't want me doing any renovation on your properties. I'm, my wife won't allow me to do demo. My wife won't allow me to change a light bulb um, because I'm not proficient at that. But what I was good at is running a business. And I think the, the big thing that a lot of people that, that jump into real estate don't recognize is that real estate really is a business. Um, too many people look at it, okay, I'm, I'm flipping a house. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's a lot of tactical pieces that you have to be good at to, to flip a house. You need to know how to acquire it. You need to know how to renovate it and sell it and market it and raise money and finance. Um, but at the end of the day, if you're going to be doing more than one or two of these, it really is a business. And there are a whole lot of business concepts that you have to understand if you want to be good at this. You have to understand supply chain. You have to understand economies of scale. You have to understand how to hire and fire people. Uh, you have to understand inventory management, and you have to understand all these business pieces. You need to be able to do your books. You need to understand what a PL is. You need to understand what margins are. Um, because if you don't understand those things, I'm not saying you can't be successful flipping a house or two or five houses, but you're not going to turn this into a business that's successful if you don't understand how a business works and how you manage a business. And so for me, I think my, I, I was very fortunate that I didn't know anything about real estate because it forced me to rely on the skills that I did have and the skills I did have were, were managing a business. And so from day one, I knew I wasn't gonna be the guy to go in and, and do the renovations. I wasn't even gonna be the guy to go in and put together the scope of work and figure out what needed to be done. I, had, didn't, I didn't have that knowledge. So it forced me from day one to hire people that did have that knowledge, to hire people that were really good at all those things that I wasn't good at and so from day one, instead of working in the business, I know it's cliche, but I was working on the business. I was sitting at home working on fundraising. I was working on figuring out how to do acquisitions. I was working on marketing. Uh, I was working on hiring as opposed to being out in the field, spending my days swinging a hammer or managing contractors or buying materials. And so ultimately that's what allowed me to scale in this business because, um, because I, I had the time. I was freeing up my time to focus on the scaling and the growing of the business um, as opposed to actually doing the work in the business. Yeah. And it's interesting that that sort of, you know, we talked about the timing of this. It's almost almost like that in that since you worked on it from a business, you know, business management standpoint, it almost made, made it like that was actually a good time because although, you know, the, the market crashed, like, Contractors were looking for work. Supp supplies oh, yeah. were were uh, you know less expensive. I mean, you uh, the resources were available. So it, it really just goes back to that point you made before, where it's like there's never a time where everything's good. There, there's never a time where it's just, it's like right now you can sell things for a lot of money. You can make money, but finding contractors and things like that, especially if you don't already have them in place, is nearly impossible. So it's kind of uh, a really good illustration of of you know sort of what. It's just every every market cycle is a little bit different. Every every place that we are, that that's that's really great. So, I mean, let's uh, let's fast forward a little bit to that that transition. I know you said that you were burnt out. You know, obviously, 
running a very successful flipping business and things like that. And so you decided to to switch to multifamily. Maybe first, can we start with why? You know, sort of why yeah. did that, you know, why the, why multifamily? I, I like multifamily, but I, I just I'm curious sort of what, what went through your mind? Yeah, so, so the why for me was easy. Um, it, it was the, the, the other parts that were difficult, but the why was simply, I was burned out on what we were doing. I was burned out on flipping houses. Um, uh, it's single family is great, but if you want to keep scaling, you have to keep getting more innovative. It's not a linear, you can't scale the business linearly. It's very much a step function. If you want to go from five houses a year to 10 houses a year, you have to completely change your process. If you want to go from 10 to 25 a year, you have to change your processes again. If you want to go from 25 to 50, you have to change your processes again. And, and um, I was getting to the point where it, the, it was getting more difficult to scale um, than the effort I was willing to put in. Um, and maybe, maybe to say that's more simply, I don't think I was smart enough to get to much bigger scale than where I was. And I recognized that it was burning me out. And so um, I was looking at other things to do. And the, the big question I had at the time was I was sitting on a bunch of cash um, for my flipping business. And I was using that cash to flip houses. But now that I wasn't flipping houses, I just had a whole bunch of cash in the bank. And so the big question I was trying to answer when I decided on multifamily was what do I do with my cash? And so I looked at investing in other people's multifamily syndications and other syndications, large deals where you go in as a passive investor. And I, I'm a control freak. So I wasn't thrilled with investing in other people's deals. I have done it and I still do it, um, but I'm very selective and it's, it's difficult for me to put a lot of money to work because I just don't trust other people the same way I trust myself. Um, and that's not necessarily a good thing, but, but it's the reality of who I am. And so I said, well, what if I do my own big deals, then I can make money operating them on the, on the operating side, but I can also invest alongside my other investors with my cash and I can use my cash and put it to work on my own deals. And so my original plan for getting into multifamily was really just to have a place to put my own cash. I wanted to do deals where I could invest alongside my investors and I could, I could, I could grow my nest egg. Um, so that was the, the original why of, of multifamily. Um, turns out I really love it. I'm pretty good at it. And, uh, and I found an amazing partner. So, um, so it, it's, it's, it was a good decision, but three years ago, it really was just, it was as simple as I, I need a place to put my cash. Yeah. Well, the, I mean, and, and it is, it is exactly that. I mean, it's a, it's a great vehicle for that, whether you're a limited or, or a general partner and, and I, yeah, the, you know, sort of wanting to control the deal part of it makes a lot of sense to me. So I, I totally get that. And you had mentioned earlier how you, you went to Ashley and, and said, Hey, I, I want to, I just want to learn this. I'll work for you for free, that sort of thing, which I think is funny because a lot of people are reluctant to do things like that. They're like, Oh, I've, you know, I've given up a lot or whatever, but you were all, you are, were already a big success. You had already created a, this big flipping business and, and had a willingness to do that. So I think that's something that, that people can take away and say, hey, look, if, if he did that, then I can do that, right? You know, it's if, if someone in your position can be humble enough and willing to learn from someone else and, and know that, you know, this is the best way to get into the business because I mean, realistically, probably the best way to learn any business is by just by doing it. Yep. Right. So I think um, that's, that's fantastic. I mean, you had the connection. So 
what what is uh, what is your role at at Bardown Investments? I know um, Ashley she uh, came on the podcast too. You know she does construction management, which I guess I would have intuitively thought that you would have done construction management. But what uh, what are what are you focused on uh, with the company? Yeah, and, and this goes back to um, the fact that I really I I am not the person you want managing contractors. I'm not the person you want doing renovations. Yeah, I can put together a scope of work and yes, I can, I can create a schedule and a budget uh, as well as anybody. Um, but in the day-to-day -day management of, of the property and the contractors and the construction, not my forte. And that's actually why, why Ashley and I work so well together. She's the most amazing asset and construction manage, manager I've ever met. I mean, she's been doing, uh, she, she comes from a line of developers in her family. And so she's been doing construction for a long time. Um, and she understands the asset management. That's a, a concept that if, for anybody in the single family space, asset management is basically the idea that when you buy a multifamily property or any type of commercial property, there's this business plan that you have to carry out to, to really increase the value. And it generally involves doing physical renovations, doing management overhauls, creating new efficiencies, basically tweaking the business uh, in a way that you can, you can eke out every dollar um, to increase the value of the property. And uh, the asset manager is probably the most important role in any commercial deal. And Ashley is absolutely amazing at it. And so um, had I thought this is my forte also, I probably never would have continued working for her because when two people have the exact same skill set, it really doesn't make for a great partnership. Uh, the reason we work so well together is because she's so good at that. I'm not, but I'm really good at some other things that she's not great at. So for example, um, uh, data and figuring out markets and underwriting and, um, and being able to put together um, financial statements and figure out business strategy and deal with HR stuff and accounting stuff and legal stuff. Um, like I said, I'm good at the business stuff. So our partnership is really great because I can focus on, um, on the business side of things. I can focus on the underwriting side of things. I can focus on the numbers and the processes. She focuses on the day-to-day -day management of the properties. Um, and it, it's like, it's, it's uh, a, a match made in heaven. I mean, we, we really do have a, an exact complementary set of skills. And between us, we have pretty much all the skills necessary to, to scale a business like that. Yeah, yeah, that's that's great. I mean, that's the idea, right? Find a, find a partner or partners that have you work well together, similar values, but have complementary skill sets and and not the same skill sets that are gonna you know you're all just trying to do the same thing. So um, that's that's really uh, I guess fortunate to have <laughs> to mesh so well together and be able yeah. to grow the business from there. Yeah, the, the big, one, one of the bigger mistakes I see a lot of new investors make is that they don't want to go it alone, so they look for a partner. But when they look for a partner, they look for somebody exactly like themselves. Mm -hmm. um, they think, okay, I need somebody with a similar background, similar experience, and, and, and they don't realize that, well, that can, make that can make for a potentially really good friendship. It doesn't necessarily make for a good partnership because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, um, you don't need somebody in your business that is good at all the things you're good at. You're already good at those things. You need somebody who's good at all the things you're bad at, and they need somebody who's all good at all the things they're bad at. So at the end of the day, partnerships are, are a little bit different than friendships, though we don't necessarily realize this. Um, we should be looking for people that are very much in, from, the, uh, I, from the concept of skill set, 
uh, completely opposite from us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it, it's, it's maybe hard to find that, I think, or it's oh, yeah. initially hard to recognize that probably, right? Because like, as you said, if you just like someone and you're friends with them or you get along great, you may, that may be because, hey, let's talk about flipping houses or let's, you whatever, you know what I mean? Whatever right. it is, you can do, you're interested in the same things, but when it comes down to it, what you need is, is yeah, like, like you guys have, you need the analytical person, you need this person to, to asset management, you know, maybe you need another person who's capital raising or, or you're sharing whatever those roles are, you know, between you and, and, uh, whoever else is in the partnership. So I, I love underwriting. And so I'm a, I'm a numbers guy. And so I naturally gravitate towards other people who are quantitative and, and, and numbers people and, and are really enjoy underwriting. And so if those are the people that I gravitate towards and I hang around, um, I'm probably not going to meet a whole lot of people that I would be good partners with because I don't need a partner that's good at that stuff. I need a partner that's good at all the, 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 the people skills and the construction skills and the management skills. And those aren't people I naturally like gravitate towards uh, in, in a conversation. So yeah, it can be difficult to find a partner because if we stay in our comfort zone, all we meet are people exactly like us who aren't going to make good partners. Right. Right. Yeah. You're, you're, you're not looking for someone to, you know, marry or, or whatever, you know, it's not, it's not someone to, to go to the bar with. It's someone to, to, to build a business with. So it, that exactly. makes a lot of sense. Um, well, let, let me, I, I don't want to keep you all day, although I, I love these conversations. That was great. I, got um, all day. I <laughs> let's, uh, let's shift a little bit to, to the, where I'll ask you those questions that I ask every guest and we can sure. definitely kind of expand within those just so we make sure to, to get them in. Um, and the first one is, is really just relevant to the, to the name of the show being Know Your Why. So what's your why, Jay? What are you, what, you know, sort of continues to push you uh, and motivates you towards, towards bigger and bigger success? Yeah, so for that, that, that's easy for me. I mean, we got into this business, literally my wife and I quit very high paying corporate jobs um, not to get into real estate, but to get out of the, the, the corporate jobs because we knew that um, for us to be successful as a family, to, to accomplish what we wanted as a family, uh, we really needed to put lifestyle and, and um, personal life before business and work. And so for me, the why has always been doing the right thing for the family and um, being able to put my life in front of my work. And I can't say I've always been successful at that, um, I probably work more than, than I ever imagined I would, but I don't miss the kids' soccer games or piano recitals, or, or I'm, I'm the one that drives into school every day, and, and I, I'm the one that uh, picks one of my kids up every day. And so um, while it's never perfect, um, my why has always been my family, and, and this business has really allowed me to, uh, to accomplish that. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, family's huge for me and, and it, it's, I really feel like you, I don't know, you, you figure everything out ahead of time, right? Like you, you made this leap before you even had kids. So I yep. think maybe that points to your analytical nature. You're like, oh, we're going to have kids. We need to, <laughs> we need this time, but, but people, people don't always, and, and I did, I mean, what struck me is, is when we had our son, all I had worked a lot before that, I mean, I still work a lot, but I had always just thought, okay, the, the, the key to success is just working harder, which for me 
oftentimes just meant working more. Um, and so I, I was in that sort of, you know, mode. And then when my son was born, all of a sudden I was struck by, I just want to be there. I want to spend, I don't want to miss things. I want to spend, like you said, you get to get to go to the soccer games. You know, my kids aren't old enough yet for that, but, but I want to be there. I want, I want them to know who I am essentially, and, and not just be provider. And, but you've, you know, sort of figured that out before <laughs> you, you had a plan. It sounds like uh, you guys, you know, sort of knew what was coming and, and then adjusted for that. So, um, I mean, kudos to you to figuring everything well, out beforehand that, that, that takes a lot of people to almost to fall into accidentally. I, I think one of the, the traps that a lot of people fall into is that they, ha they have stated priorities, um, but they state those priorities not because those are really priorities to them, because they feel like they're supposed to say it. Um, and so oftentimes I see there's this conflict between people saying, this is what I want, and what they really want, because what, what you do every day is, is a statement of your priorities. And saying I want X, Y, or Z, and then doing A, B, and C, um, that's at the end of the day, what you do is really your, your priorities. And so for me, um, it would have been easy to fall into that trap of saying, hey, I, I care about my personal life and my work-life balance and growing a family. Um, but if I didn't actually take action towards that, um, I wouldn't be true to myself in, in that belief. So for me, it wasn't a question of how do we do this and should I do this? It was made the decision. This is my priority. Um, I'm going to do it and we'll figure it out. Um, I see the same thing often with investors when it comes to time and money. Um, if I ask an investor, what do you prioritize more, your time or your money? And they'll always say their time. Yeah, I can't get more time and time's the most valuable thing. And it's the only thing that, that I can't buy. Um, and so people have the right mindset there, but then I see them doing things like um, swinging a hammer or painting their own house to save a few dollars. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that if you enjoy doing that, um, but if you're doing it to, to make money, um, instead of spending 10 hours painting your own rental property, um, instead of hiring somebody for 20 or $25 an hour, you should be hiring somebody for 20 or $25 an hour and then going and doing something in your business that generates 50, 100, or $1,000 an hour. Um, I, I always talk about the fact that if I order materials from Home Depot, um, I'm always going to have them delivered. I don't care if it's if I have to buy a bag of screws for $2, I'm going to pay the $60 delivery charge um, because $60 is, is worth a whole lot less than the hour of my time it would take to go to Home Depot and pick that up, or I'll pay my contractors to go pick it up. Um, because really spending time in the car is not a valuable use of my time. Um, so what I like to tell uh, other investors is think about what your priorities are, define them, but then take the actions to really, uh, to, to really carry out those priorities and make sure that what you're saying your priorities are, are aligned with what you're doing and the actions you're taking. Yeah, that's, I mean, really great advice. And it, it's, it's hard to do. I mean, I, I find it hard yeah. to do I, 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 because it's like, like you said, like, oh, I could just run to Home Depot. Or, and, and I've I've done this a lot, like just, well, I'll, you know, I can just do this myself on my house. Like I, I, I do like to swing a hammer. I do, you know, and, yeah. and I have, at a, there was a time and I still might like to flip houses just with my kids as like a, a project, a fun, you know, for fun thing that we could do together. I could teach them about, you know, how to use the tools that are in the garage oh, and yeah. all that. But, but yeah, when I, when I, 
considered what I wanted to do from a real estate standpoint. I definitely thought about flipping houses, but my mind automatically went to, well, there's all these things I can do. So that'll, that'll make it, you know, cost less money, but, but you're hundred percent correct. Like that's the wrong way to think about it. If, if I want to have a flipping business, I shouldn't be there swinging the hammer. I should be, you know, sort of <laughs> aligning everybody to make that stuff happen. So, yeah, I mean, that is, that is spot on. And, and I, I find it a hard transition to make. I find it hard just to, to, you know, sort of take myself out of the, the, you know, sort of doing it role and, and be, you know, more of the manager and things like that. It, it's, it is a, a tough transition. So, uh, but yeah, really, really great advice. Um, so second question, uh, if you would tell us something about yourself, maybe that isn't common knowledge, like a hobby, a special skill, something like that. Uh, I feel like you're pretty well known, so this may be hard to answer, but uh, if there's anything that you think people don't know about you, that would be that would be great that you're comfortable sharing. Sure. Um, probably the, the biggest misnomer about me is I am a tremendous introvert. Um, like everybody assumes because I do a lot of podcasts and I do a lot of speaking um, that I'm an extrovert and, and, and um, I, this is very difficult for me. Like every day I have to psych myself up um, for talking to people. I'm, I'm terrified to talk on the phone. Um, I'm not, a, I have this phone anxiety. Like I, I try and do everything I can over text message or, uh, or email, but I force myself to try and do that. Speaking, I'm, I'm terrified of public speaking, even though I do it all the time. Um, going into a group of people I don't know is tremendously difficult. And so for me, it's been um, the last 15 years has been interesting because um, I've, I've built this brand and, and I've kind of put myself in the situation where I have to be an extrovert or I have to at least pretend to be an extrovert, uh, even though it doesn't come naturally for me. And so um, it, I think it's good because it's, it's forced me to grow in certain ways. Um, but there are a lot of days that literally at the end of the day, uh, like I, I just fall into bed, just mentally exhausted for no other reason than just, I've been talking to people all day yeah. and my wife's just the opposite. I mean, like if she's, hasn't talked to people all day, she's exhausted. She, she needs that, that, uh, that stimulation of being around other people. So that's probably the biggest misnomer. Everybody assumes that, that I'm, I'm this big extrovert, but I'm really not. Yeah. And it, it's, yeah, it's easy to, to think that when you, you know, sort of see people as, as this public figure, but uh, it, it's, I was <laughs> kind of laughing because I, I am too. And I, you know, I, when I started this podcast, I, I, I wanted to start it because I, I, because, I mean, I called it know your why, because I was struck so profoundly by my why being, being my family and my kids when they were born that it, it changed my whole perspective. But the other reason I did it is for exactly what you're speaking about right now is it's incredibly uncomfortable. I get nervous for every single one. And it's just like, I love the conversations. I love hearing people's story and everything, but at the same time, it's, it was, a it, it's hard. It's a hard thing to sort of force myself to do, but I know that it's, uh, it's good to get outside your comfort zone. So, um, and it, and you you mentioned the, the uh, phone call thing. I hate, I hate the phone. I hate, yeah. I won't, my, my wife, my, my good friends, they laugh at me because they know I don't even want to call and order the pizza. I mean, everything's on an app now, but like when it, when you had to call and, and order from restaurants and things like that, I, it was, I, 
I wouldn't do it. I'd, I'd rather not get the food I'd, if someone else wasn't going to do it. So, yeah, it's the funny, uh, the funny thing is you're young. So it, it's it's probably pretty typical for you and your friends. Like you you probably grew up on text message and, and email. I'm old. I grew up like before text I'm message. As young as you think I am. Okay. Well, <laughs> I'm, I, yeah, I'm 46. Okay, so, so I, I. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so then you, you just look young. We, we both, I guess we both grew up in the time when, uh, when you didn't have email and you didn't have right. cell phones or text messages. And it was like growing up telling people, I don't like talking on the phone. It was like, well, how do you live? Like, how do you, how do you exist if you don't right. like talking on the phone? It, it's always yeah. been tough. So you, people, yeah, people don't understand. I mean, when, when I have to talk on the phone, I can't even, I can't sit still. Like I get, I, I pace, I walk, know, in I walk around with the phone. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. I just walk around phone. I get complain to my wife I'm like my ear gets sweaty I don't like any it's just I don't like anything about it but yeah it's it's uh t so text is is a much easier thing to do uh it's it's not personal but it's if you're just trying to get stuff done I, I think it is it is an easier way to to function and and yeah. I guess more comfortable from a from an introvert standpoint so that's yeah. that's great um okay next next question is is how can people reach you and we'll we'll put everything that you want in this in the show notes but uh when people hear this, if they'd like to reach out to you, uh, what's what's the best way to get hold? Yeah. Um, so if anybody wants, <laughs> don't call. So yeah, not no, yeah, not phone. <laughs> um, yeah. If anybody wants to to reach out to me, um, you get access to my personal website, uh, my social media. If you want to invest with me, whatever it is, uh, if you go to www.connectwithjscott.com, um, that will take you to a place that links out to to everything related to me. Okay, good. We'll we'll put that down in there. But yeah, it's so awesome. I don't. You're not a hard person to find. If they probably could just Google you. Um, and then final question, Jay, is what uh, what advice? And it, it, it's almost like from a real estate standpoint, it's like it's almost like you've had you know sort of two two careers or two you know career paths. Uh, but what what advice would you give to people? Um, you know, what whether it's from a flipping standpoint, multifamily, or, or it's just building a business, what advice would you would you give to people to to help them try to you know sort of aim towards that level of success? Yeah, so um, I I this is literally my favorite piece of advice that I give, and if anybody's heard it before, I apologize. But um, I, what I like to tell people who are having trouble making progress, um, getting that first deal, because there are a lot of people out there that struggle to get that first deal. Um, what I like to tell people is I typically meet two types of people in this business. Um, one, I meet those people that have never done a deal, literally like they're struggling to do their first deal. <coughs> Excuse me. And then I meet um, a few people. The rest of the people I meet are people that have done five or 10 or 50 or 100 deals. There's one type of person I never meet in this business or I rarely, rarely ever meet in this business. And that's somebody that's done one deal. And the reason for that is if you can get to that one deal, you're going to do second and third and fifth and 10th deals. If you can get that first one, the second one is so much easier. And the third one is so much easier than that. Um, nobody does a deal and then says, okay, now I have to start over and, and get that second deal. That second deal is going to be simple once you get the first one. So what I tell people is just make a commitment to yourself to get that first deal. And if you can do that, the rest will just come easy. So don't stop till you get that first deal and, and trust the process and know that, that once you succeed in that one singular goal, you've basically built your career in real estate. Yeah, no, that's that's actually really great. I mean, I think, yeah, you, it, 
you hear a lot about the people, I think Michael Blanc talks about the law of the first deal and all of that stuff. It, it, it's, it's out there, but I, I think, you know, the, the way that you put it is, is perfect. It's like, just, just commit to one and then you probably will just fall into the rest. I mean, it'll, it'll be, it'll just kind of, the pieces will be there. And then you're like, oh, okay, where, where were all my <laughs> pain points and everything, you know, wherever I got stuck along the way. And now, okay, the next one's going to be easier. And then the one after that's going to, and then it's just, it's, it's very, uh, as, as you know, someone early in the game for me, it's, it's very, it's, a little bit of envy, but also like motivational to see people that are now at that level where it's like, and I know it's not easy, but it's like the deals are just coming to them. Uh, they have people lined up that want to invest with them. I mean, they, they just everything that that you struggle with in the beginning then becomes almost like a given. So uh, it's really cool to see that progress. And and then if you if you think about it, if if you're starting out, all those people we're at that point at some point, right? No, Absolutely. nobody, nobody started with <laughs> 10, 10 deals under their belt so that it, you know, they've got everything in place. So yeah, if you can get that, I, I, I just love that, um, you know, sort of perspective on it. That's, that's very cool. Um, well, it's been awesome. Like I said, I don't, I don't want to keep you all day. I, I, uh, I, I feel like when we, we release the, <laughs> the, helpful tips and nuggets. It's just going to be a, the whole thing. I mean, there's just clips along the way that's been, it's been really great. And uh, I, I appreciate your perspective on everything and, and sharing your story. So, so thanks for coming on Jay. It's been awesome. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure. All right, everybody take care until next time. I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you.